Good, good. Please be seated. I'm Rock Bottomley, and uh, that is my real name. Uh, Dad had a sense of humor. I was the first one born, and my mom was so euphoric uh, that I came out that she just told my dad in a, you know, in a fit of really unwise euphoria, hey, you can name him anything you want. And my dad had a sense of humor, and this is what I got. And uh, that's the last time my mother ever did that. I've got four brothers and sisters, all who have very normal names. But that's me, right out of the Flintstones, rock bottomly. And it's great to be back here. I was a pastor here from 90 to 95, which was... Uh, and I'll tell you, I pastored four years over my... Or four churches over my years as a pastor. And this one... And I, I, this one, far and away, was the most fun. It was the most delightful, the most enjoyable. And the reason, there are several reasons, um, but we had an amazing team here uh, of pastors. We had uh, uh, Joe Hesch was our worship pastor, just a, a gifted musician and great heart for God. Bonnie Aldrich was our children's pastor. She was the gospel light teacher, educator of the year for the whole country. And uh, we had uh, a fellow named Tim Cox, who, who was our adult pastor and just was the quintessence of of people loving and that sort of thing. It's a wonderful team. We had a wonderful group of elders. Uh, there were, all of them were men who were involved in ministry. Uh, Larry Amundsen, I just saw Larry back here, who was with Crusade, and he's one of our elders. And it was just a wonderful team of people to work with. And, uh, and it was a wonderful fit. Uh, I felt like I was coming home. I mean, I felt like this is my tribe, my people. And uh, because we had this mix of military people, we got anybody who are military, either in or retired, wave at me, I want to see if there are any, okay, there's a bunch of those from the academy, and, and we're grateful for you guys. And then there was uh, a bunch of engineers, you know, techies, are any of you guys engineers? Kind of, okay, yeah, they're, they're, they may be preoccupied with their, their computers or something, not even hear what I said. And then we had a bunch of people from the parachurch, you know, from Young Life and Campus Crusade, Navigators, and Youth for Christ, and uh, any of those, any of you who've been touched by people like that? Yeah, okay, a few of you. Well, that was me. I mean, that was, that was my life. I, I went to the academy, and my first career was in the Air Force. I was military, and, and I, uh, my major in college was engineering, and I was raised uh, by the Navigators. I grew up in, in that ministry. So I was coming home. So it was a wonderful time for me to be here. And I'll tell you, I was... I was never more excited than when I came here. And when I left, I was deeply grieved. And so I miss you guys, and it's great to be back. So thanks for having me back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's good. I want to talk to you this morning about the wonder of Jesus. And uh, there are two... Uh, when I talk about the wonder of Jesus, I mean the things that are true about Jesus, that if you see them... Uh, you cannot help but be amazed. You cannot help but be stunned and staggered in your head, in your mind, about what this means. You cannot, honestly, you cannot help but be overwhelmed in your heart when you see what it means for us, the joy of it, the hope of it. I mean, you can't help but be moved to tears and to laughter. It kind of breaks off the, you know, the reserve that we all feel, and you, you lose it all when you get it. 
about who he is and what he's done and why he did it and the fact that he's done it for you. When you see the wonder of Jesus, you are drawn in. You can't help but want to move closer and learn more. When you see the wonder of Jesus, it stabs you awake in your spirit and it sets you free from nominal, sleepy religion. And you just can't help but want to go all in. All in. It's a wonderful thing to see the wonder of Jesus. It makes us alive. And uh, I have to say, I'm intimidated by the subject. Because words alone just can't get it across. I wish I were an artist. I wish I were like Handel, and I could put together the voices of the instruments of the Messiah and bypass our sleepy heads and get to our inmost being and, you know, have those voices sing, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know how your skin crawls every time you hear that? I mean, that's a little bit of the Holy Spirit waking up your soul to the wonder of Jesus. I wish I could paint like Michelangelo. Bev and I go to the Middle East. Sometimes we stop off in Rome and we go to the Sistine Chapel. And there over the front of the Sistine Chapel is this whole wall. It's the, it's the, 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 it's the last judgment. And there in the center of that painting is this magnificent figure, not, you know, Jesus meek and mild in his little robe, but, but there's this strong, powerful person right at the center of this enormous wall. And he's muscular and he's strong. And he's determining the eternal destiny of every human being. He's the judge of all the earth. And at first you look at it and you're not sure who it is. And then you see this woman painted with the classic blue beside him, and you say, ah, I know who that is. That's Mary. Well, who's this? Well, that's Mary's son. Jesus, the Messiah, the judge of all the earth. I wish I were like that. But I want to talk to you about the wonder of Jesus. I want to do two things. I want to look at it from a passage that's designed to tell us about it. And then I want to talk a little bit about how we ought to respond. Okay? So if you have a Bible, if you'd open to John chapter 1. This is John's introduction to his story of Jesus. And, and you can tell as we read it, he's straining to try to help you understand the wonder of the person whose story he's about to tell. So that you'll open your eyes and your heart and you'll pay attention. <clears throat> I'm going to read the first 18 verses. This is John telling us about the wonder of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that's been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Now, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that, so that through him all might believe. Now, he himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone who comes into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. And he came as... So that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. And yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory. The glory is the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus, the Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Let's take a look at the wonder of Jesus. First thing John tells us about the wonder of Jesus is that he was, in fact, God Almighty, the designer and maker of heaven and earth. You let that sink in? He's the designer of the universe. That's what the word means. In the beginning was the word. That was the Greek word, logos, means logic, reason. It's what the Greeks at the time of Jesus they looked at the universe and they saw behind it a genius design, a genius order, something that would blow our minds. And what John is telling us is the one who created the design, who thought it up, was this man, Jesus of Nazareth, before the beginning, before there was anything, he was one of the three who together are God, the true God. And they thought it all up. They thought up the rotation of the earth so the sun would rise and set. They thought up the revolution around the sun so there'd be seasons. They thought the, the, the rotation of the universe around the north star so one star would stay steady. They thought up elephants and butterflies and bees and roses and crepe myrtles and giant redwoods and mountains and ocean and whales and minnows. They thought up you. They thought up romance and male and female and marriage. They thought up reproduction and circulation and respiration 
and evaporation and condensation and all the physical laws that make this a wonderful place. The mind that that came out of was the mind of Jesus. And then came the beginning, and it was time to make it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible tells us the one who spoke those things into existence was Jesus. All things were made by him. And without him was nothing made that was made. Greek, it says, not one thing that's been made was made except by him. He's the designer. He's the creator of you and me and everything we see. I think the first time, you know, I, I bumped into that. Uh, I'm like, you know, I'm like most of us. I grew up around here. I'd hear stories about Jesus. I'd see pictures of Jesus. And I made the terrible mistake, like many of us make, of thinking Jesus was the most wonderful man who ever lived. It's a terrible mistake. Easy to make because it's true. He is the most wonderful man who's ever lived. I mean, nobody has had the breadth and the length and the depth. Nobody has lifted life like Jesus of Nazareth. Historians would agree on that. But he's much more than that. He's not only the most wonderful man who's ever lived, he's the man who made all the men who've ever lived in the universe we, we sit in. And that's kind of the way I thought about Jesus. Until I came here. I grew up in a home, my dad was a, a fighter pilot, and he was a classic fighter pilot. Solid as a rock, dominating, overpowering, and uh, very formative, most formative man in my life. And I remember we, uh, we would sit around the table and we'd talk about things, and dad wanted to make sure we knew what was true. And of course, he was the one who knew what was true. And uh, so every once in a while, we'd talk about God. And he said, listen, you need to know about God. Uh, and you need to know two things, primarily. First thing you need to know is, for some people, this is the most important thing in their life, so don't ever make fun of it. Whatever their religion, don't make fun of it. Like the color of their skin or the place where they, they grew up or, you know, don't, don't make fun of that. Because this is, to some people, a precious thing. But the other thing you need to know about God is he doesn't exist. Men made God, not the other way around. We're afraid of death. And so men made up God so that when they were about to die or somebody they loved died, they had a hope of seeing him again. That's where we got God. Because God comes heaven, the hope of seeing dead people again. But he says, the truth is, there's nobody out there. It's all made up. Now, it's interesting. Of all the things that God, that my dad told me, that's probably about the only thing I didn't believe. See, like you, I have a spirit. Just like you've got eyes and ears, you've got a spirit inside. And you know God is there. You know he's good. You'll know you'll stand before him one day. You know that. It takes a lot of education to forget it. And I knew that. And as I began to work my way through school, through junior high and high school, I saw the same things the Greek did. There's an amazing design. Behind that is a designer. And I thought, God is out there. But then I looked around and I said, you know, I can't see him, I can't taste him, touch him, hear him. There's just no way to find him. But I knew when I died, when this body ended, I would see him one day. 
And my religion was simple. I just hope I'd live good enough so that when he saw me, he'd like me. Then I came to the Air Force Academy. And uh, Michelle put up that day. I came here. My dream was to fly airplanes like this. And, uh, and, but before there's this, there's, show the next slide. There's a bunch of this in there. <laughs> and uh, I hadn't counted so much on that. <clears throat> My first year, I, I met a guy. Put his picture up here. This guy's name is Ed Powell. Ed's a businessman in Minneapolis now. He's my roommate. And uh, he had reconnected with God, and he was filled with a sense of the wonder of Jesus, and he was not ashamed of it. And one night, we were getting our room ready for inspection. We put paste wax on the floor. We were waiting for the buffer to come down the hall to shine it up. And so we had a pause. And, uh, and he wanted me to know about Jesus. And so there was nothing clever or sideways or anything. He just said, Rock, have you ever thought about God? Have you ever heard about Jesus? Have you ever read the Bible? And I told him. I told him what my dad had told me. I told him, and then I told him, but I don't believe it. I know God is out there, and I know when I die I'm going to get to see him. And I just hope that when he sees me, he likes me. And Ed said, you know, I've got wonderful news for you. You don't have to wait to die to see God. God has come to the earth to show you what he's like so that you don't have to guess and wonder and spend all your time wondering who is God and what is he like and what does he want and how can I have peace with him? God has come to the earth. That's what the life of Jesus. And he showed me this verse. You know, no man has seen God at any time. A lot of others, I knew that. But the only begotten Son who was in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Means he's taken the wrapping paper off. He's pulled back the curtain so we can see him. God has come to the earth. That's what the life of Christ is all about. The second thing we see about the, the wonder of Jesus, I'll pick up that story in a minute. But you see and hear what he's done, the wonder of what he's done, the wonder of who he is. He's God Almighty, designer and creator of the universe, of you and me. Then there's a wonder about what he's done. He's come to save us, to rescue us from a life of darkness without God, away from God, without the privilege of being connected with him, without experiencing his love, without experiencing the information that he has to give us so we can make sense out of life. Without the mercy that he has to give us so we can be free from guilt and shame and have peace in the heart. He came to deliver us from darkness, the darkness of life without God, to make it possible so we could have the life and the light of life with God, together with him. This goes back to my roommate. I'd heard little fragments of this. I'd gone through confirmation as a young Presbyterian, but it never connected the dots. I'd sat in a Lutheran church. I'd been to a Baptist church. I'd been to a Methodist church. And, and I'd gotten the fragments, the pieces. But Ed sat down and he says, listen, God has not only come to show you what he's like, he's come to help you come back and have life with him. And he sat down and he, he drew a little picture. He says, I've got good news for you. And the, and the good news is, it's really simple. It's, it's, it's two boxes and a little cross in between. He drew this on a napkin. 
And he, said, and he, he, he drew it. He said, no, no. Uh, the, the box on the, on the right there, that's, that's life with God. This is God's dream for you. It's that you do life with him. You know him as a father, loves you. He'd speak to you. You'd learn to hear his voice. He'd take you around and he'd tell you what's going on and he'd help you make sense of this life. He'd be compassionate and gracious. He'd forgive you when you fall and restore you so, so you wouldn't be locked up in shame and you wouldn't be in bondage to evil. He'd show you why you're here so that you'd have purpose. He'd give you eternal significance and he'd give you hope so that you know this is not all there is. He'd give you life here and forever. But he said the truth is, and it's true of all of us, we've all walked away from God. Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And I knew that was true. He says, we've all left there, and we've gone to box number two. That's the left side. And he says, this is life our own way. This is life my way. This is life with me in charge. And, uh, and when we do that, we experience the brokenness of life without God. And he didn't have to tell me what that meant. I know what that meant. I knew the crazies that were going on inside. I knew the fear. I knew the confusion. I knew the tiredness. I knew the futility of life without God. There's a brokenness, and it breaks us inside, and it breaks our relationships. It breaks our marriages. It breaks our, rela our relationships with our kids and our parents. It breaks work and profession because we steal from each other, and we, we backstab each other, and we defraud each other. It breaks cities. It breaks countries. It breaks races. It's why we're in the mess we're in. And he says, that's life without God, and that's where we all go. But he says, Jesus came to make a way back. That's what the cross is about. He came to the earth to show us what God is like. He died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins so it could be taken away and removed. And he rose from the dead so that any thinking person could look back and realize this is the guy who has the authority to save. He's the man from heaven. I can trust him. And he said, God offers to bring you back from life without him to give you life with him. New life. Life forever. Light. He'll explain to you why you're here and where you came from and where you're going and how to make life work. He'll give you freedom from the bondage to sin and its power over you and its penalty. Give you peace in the heart. Freedom from fear give you purpose and freedom from futility, give you hope. You'll look forward to the end because you know it's the beginning of the best. That's what God wants to give. And he asked me that night, he said, hey, you can start tonight because this isn't something you have to go to class for. This is something, he said, what Jesus said is the way to get back is very simple. You believe in me. Now, it doesn't mean you just believe the facts. It doesn't mean you just admire me. It means you, there's a deep turning in your soul from life my way 
to life God's way. It's what the Bible calls repentance. A change of heart. You say, God, I'm done doing life away from you. I want to come home. I want to listen to you. I want to learn your ways. I want to live into your dream for my life. And I want to follow your son with all my heart. And he said, if you'll make that decision tonight, you can begin tonight to experience new life. God not only forgives your sin, he comes into you, and there'll be two people living in your body from tonight on, you and God. And he'll coach you and he'll comfort you. And he'll give you life, new life. You want to do it, I, he said? And I said, no. And the reason I said no is I knew you couldn't fool God. You couldn't pretend. And I wanted some time to think about it. Well, he continued to pray for me. And that takes us to the third thing that Jesus, that is so wonderful about it. And that's what I would, I would kind of begin to get a glimpse of a few weeks later. And that's the fact. It's the why Jesus did what he did. And it's simply because he loves us. He loves us. Now, it's a love that surpasses knowledge, the Bible says. It's a love unlike anything you'd experience on the earth. It's a love unlike any love you have for anybody else or anybody has for you. It's a love that's compassionate and it's merciful and it's humble, it serves, and it's correcting and it's lifting and it's challenging. And that's what John talks about in this passage when he talks about grace. Four times he says he came to give us grace, grace upon grace. Grace means goodness beyond what we deserve, beyond what we imagine, beyond what we expect. And it was about three weeks later that uh, they had an Andrew dinner out at the academy. Now, remember, Andrew's the guy who brought his brother to the Lord. He brought Peter to the Lord. And they had this Andrew dinner. And it's where the Christian cadets brought their pagan friends. And I was his pagan friend. And uh, so he, he brought me to this dinner. And, and as a fourth classman, you know, out there, you can't, it's like being in jail. You couldn't get off. So I wanted to go, just to go. I didn't care what they were doing. You know, I could be, you know, playing bingo or whatever. Well, okay, I'll come hear about Jesus again. So I did, and I went to this, I went to this dinner, this pizza dinner down Manitou Springs. And, uh, <clears throat> and a young captain who was in the Astro Department out at the academy, Jerry White was his name, uh, he again shared the good news of God about that God's side and our side, Christ coming to give us new life. And, uh, and then Will Perkins, Will owned the... Uh, Chrysler Dodge dealership here in town for years and years. He just recently given his life to Christ and he talked about the difference coming to life, just the joy and the peace and the purpose, the finding what he was made for. And he shared just his, his story, his testimony of what Christ had done in his life. And, uh, and that night, you know what I understood? I understood that when Christ died, it's because he loved me. I mean, he went through all that to be able to make a way for me to get back. And that's where this third thing kind of got through to my inmost being. And I realized, oh my goodness, he did that because he loved. And he loved me. I mean me, not just the whole world, but me. And that night when they were eating pizza, I went off in the corner, sat in a little chair. And I said, you know, I'd, I'd never prayed before. I just said, God... I'm done. I'm done doing life my own way. I want life with you. And I want to follow you. I want to listen to you. I want to learn from you. 
want to follow your son. And I bowed my head and my heart that, that night. And I turned and I said, I want to, and I can remember that night praying, God, I want you to give me tenacity. There's a new word I think I learned, and I just trying it out, I think, on God. <laughs> but I knew what it meant. It means, God, don't let me fall away, don't let me lose interest. I want to stick with you to the end. I want to see what you have for me. And that's where I began. This is the wonder of Jesus. It's the wonder of who he is. He is not just the most wonderful man who's ever lived. He's far more. God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, designer and creator. He's done an amazing thing. He's made it possible for us to come from life away to life back with God. Have new life, peace and purpose, freedom from bondage, hope, And it's a wonderful thing for the, why he did it. It's because he loves you. And he wants to give you life now and forever. Now, how to respond? Very simply. You know, two things. If you've never made that turn, and I just say that because, you know, my guess is half the people who sit in churches in America have never received Christ. They believe in him. They admire him. They love his people. They may like his his kind of ways, his values, his ethos. But deep inside, they've never made a decision. I'm done with doing life my way. And God, from now on, I am making a turn. And I want to follow you. I'm done with making, doing my marriage my way and raising my kids my way and doing my work my way and, and doing what I want my way. And I know where that's got me. And it's a broken life. And Lord, I want to turn and with all my heart, I want to listen and learn and follow you. Not nominally, not half-heartedly, but with all my heart, in all the areas of my life, for all the rest of my life, I'm yours. That's when a person is born again. And you know, I, and I don't say this meanly, I want to say it as winsomely as I can. If that's never happened in your heart of I just sense today is your day. I mean, really. I think the Holy Spirit said, this is what I want you to talk about because there are people who I want to hear this so that they can have new life. Now, if that's you, you can receive Christ this morning. Just bow your head and your heart and say, Lord, I'm done. I want to come home. I want to follow you all my life, all the rest of my days, with all I have. And you can begin new life today. Now, the others, if you've done that, you know, the other response is to realize the wonder of Jesus and to really listen to him. And there are many of you he's been speaking to. He's been speaking to you about something in your marriage, something with your kids, something in your work, something in your character, and he's whispering. And he's calling you to make a change, to turn away from something that's toxic and dangerous and damaging to your life. You're hanging on to it because you think you need it. And he's saying, let it go. Some of you, he's calling you to begin something, to start something in your marriage or with your kids. And you're afraid because you're afraid, maybe I can't do it or maybe it's too hard. And he's saying, listen, I'll be there to help. And the response for you is to listen and to trust him enough to obey him. There's life down that path. 
Let me just be quiet. I just want to be quiet. And, and, and I'd encourage you, just close your eyes, shut everybody out. And the Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd move through and you'd whisper to each one of us. I know you love this subject. Holy Spirit, you're here to glorify Christ and to help us see the wonder of him. And Lord, you know how you'd have us respond. I pray you'd speak to each one of us. I just want you to be quiet and to listen. Say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Engage now. As he speaks, respond.